My name is Robert Nauer. I'm a CPCM, CPPO, and former Dalvia Level 3 contracting officer for the federal government. I started my career in federal contracting after I got off active duty as a Navy lieutenant. Prior to getting off active duty, I had had, or rather I had taken, some courses in contracting, a few minor ones, and I was a warranted contracting officer able to purchase up to a million dollars in goods per acquisition. But that wasn't enough. But after I got off active duty, I was wondering what kind of career would really be best for me in the long term. And I thought about what I had done in the Navy. And the only thing I really enjoyed in the Navy was government contract. So I applied for a number of jobs and was able to secure one out of DISC, uh, which is the DISC uh, Defense Industrial Supply Center in Philadelphia. And I got my first job as a GS9 buyer which is a fairly low-level job. What did I buy there? I bought screws, nuts and bolts, and sheet plate and metal, titanium, steel, aluminum, you name it, for building ships and airplanes. Uh, I was lucky because I got hired by an army colonel who I later went to work for and with at Lockheed Martin when I was working with the Defense Contract Management Command a number of years later. Uh, he was a wonderful guy and... Um, I learned a lot. But as a buyer, there was no real career potential unless you move up the ranks, take more courses, and an education is absolutely essential in government contracting. By the time I had completed my GS-13 level requirements and became a professor in contract management for the Defense Acquisition University, I had probably over 4,600 hours of course training under my belt. Now that is a lot of course training. That's almost like what a heart surgeon would have to have. So what I'm telling you is that uh, even though it may sound like an easy thing to do, there's an awful lot of education, an awful lot of learning that goes into becoming a contracting officer or a procurement officer, if you want to call them that. Okay, so courses. That's something that you'll have to take once you get your foot in the door with the government, whether it be a state government, federal government, or with a private contractor. For example, Parsons Engineering out of uh, California. Large companies have contracting shops and they have intern programs. So does state government, so does the federal government. But they're all a little bit different in how they handle things. In the federal government today, you have only one website portal through which to apply for all federal contracting jobs in the government. And that is a website called usajobs.gov. That's USA, capital, jobs. .gov all together. And through that portal, you will glean vacancies and openings that exist in the GS-1102 series, which is the contracting series. And you will read the vacancy announcement or the register announcement. A register is a listing of available jobs that may be posted in the future. And you will apply for that job if you think that you're qualified for it. I would never apply for a job I didn't think I was qualified for because of the simple fact if you lie and you say that you're qualified and you're not, you will generally be terminated within your first year of probation. Uh, furthermore, if you say something that's untrue on your application, that is considered a felony under 18 U.S.C., and you can possibly go to federal prison for it. So you never want to lie on an application. That said, uh, if you are qualified for a job, and 
And let's just assume that you have no experience at all. You just recently graduated from college and are looking to enter the federal government as a 1102 contract specialist. What you would need to look for are trainee positions, internship positions, where you can get your foot in the door with no experience and they will train you. They will send you to school. They will put you through on-the-job training. And each year you will be evaluated and if you are not successful, you will stay at the same grade you're at until such time as you become successful and meet all the necessary success factors for passing go to the next grade level. Uh, government, state government is a little bit different. And because we have 50 states and five territories, they're all different too. So you really have to check with the requirements for each state procurement office. And states are governed by a little bit different um, profile than the federal government is. The federal government today has the Federal Acquisition Institute for Civilians and the Defense Acquisition University for military uh, personnel and military civilians. And then private industry, such as like I alluded to earlier, Parsons Engineering, top Fortune 100 engineering companies, um, they generally have their own internal training programs and you would need to check with them. But the nice thing about the federal government is it only has one portal. But the bad thing about that is it is only one portal through which to go. And there are so many people applying for federal contracting positions that may or may not be qualified. Being vetted and accepted and then interviewed is a real challenge in this day and age. Um, one of the things I would suggest to anybody who's interested in getting into the federal contracting arena as a career, and it is a great career, would be to contact whoever might be a hiring official at a federal agency that you want to go to. Uh, try to get an appointment to sit down and just talk to them for 30 minutes and see uh, if there's a meeting of the minds, if they have openings, and if uh, they like you, persuade them that you're the kind of candidate that they would need for their training program. And I actually had a young lady I suggested that to who lived in Manassas, Virginia. I suggested she call on the telephone to the local DCMA commander, which is the Defense Contract Management Agency, find out who the local deputy commander or commander is, and then get an appointment to go sit down and talk to them about their intern training program. She did that. She was in commercial billboard sales at the time, knew nothing about contracting per se, except from the commercial point of view, uh, but she also wanted a more stable career, which a federal contracting career is in fact more stable. So she did that. They liked her. Uh, she then was told to put in an application, and then they would look for it, and they did, and she got accepted into their uh, GS 57911 program where she tops out as a GS-11, and then from that point on, as long as she had been successful, she gets to compete for GS-12s and 13s and 14s on up, which is exactly what I did. I was a little bit different. When I got out of the Navy, I crossed over because I did have some previous contracting experience in the Navy, and I came in as a GS-9, still a low-level job, and then I worked my way up to uh, GS-14, and uh, I ended up at the end of my career working for the Secretary of Labor, the Secretary of Transportation, and a couple other federal and DOD agencies. And I had a great time and a lot of fun doing it too. But don't get me wrong, federal contracting is a very stressful environment. You are under constant stress trying to get contracts out, contracts completed, so that work can be performed 
by the federal governments, whether it's building roads, whether it's implementing new IT software systems and computers, etc. There's so much to do, but it's a great career. And so uh, if there's any takeaways from this particular uh, podcast, it's simply look at usajobs.gov for federal contracting jobs under the GS1102 series. See if there's a match there. If you'd like to apply for it, pull down the vacancy announcement, read it. Look at all the knowledge, skill, and ability factors that it demands. Make sure you write your Uh, resume in response to those KSAs, knowledge, skill, and ability factors. And finally, do not lie. Do not say anything that is untrue on your application. Hopefully, you will be able to get a federal job. The same thing that I said about the young lady who lived in Manassas that got a job at DCMA and their training program can also apply to private contractors and corporations. It can also apply uh, to state government. I happen to live in Florida and the state of Florida has a director of procurement, and I uh, actually used to know him, really good guy, and uh, it really comes down to who you know. So if you don't know who are the hiring officials, you're at a disadvantage. So you need to take time to beat down the walls, beat down the doors, make telephone calls, do research, find out who you're going to be interviewing with, who has jobs available, and get off your duff and go talk to them. And then the rest is up to you. Make sure that your resumes that are submitted online are clear, concise, and complete and have no misspellings and is fully understood what you're trying to say, especially when you're responding to KSAs. So with that, I am going to end this podcast and let you know that if you have any questions or concerns, you can contact me directly at the Acquisition Institute. That would be acquisitioninstitute at gmail.com. That's acquisitioninstitute at gmail.com. Put your concern, your question that you have, your name, and a phone number. I do not like to type responses to emails unless it's one or two words. So if you Uh, would like a call back, I'm happy to do that, but you must provide me all of your detailed information, what you're looking for, what you're interested in. For example, people who send me something say, hey, I'd like your help. I'm not going to answer that because you're not specific. Tell me why you need my help, what it is you're looking for, things like that and your phone number. Tell me what your background is. Tell me if you have a college education. Tell me if you have any previous procurement courses. So with that, I am going to end it now. And the next podcast will be about the types of acquisition courses you could expect to take as a prospective GS1102 or contracting person in a state organization. Bob out.